Our lesson for tonight is uh, one that, I don't know, I struggled with it. Even after I read all the material, I kept thinking, how am I going to divide this lesson up? I usually try to use two points to some degree, and, and uh, I had a little trouble figuring out what I wanted to do with it. And I did figure it out eventually, but it was just a, a little harder lesson. Uh, I don't know that I've heard very many lessons on shame, or at least the word shame. Uh, we don't really talk about it as often, but uh, it, it is a good study and there are a lot of good things for us to learn from Scripture. We begin tonight with what is shame. In order to understand what it is, we have to look, look at it from a biblical standpoint. As you look at translation and how it is used in translation, there are a couple of words that are used primarily. There are others that are used throughout the Old Testament, but primarily in the Hebrew there are two words that are used to express shame. Uh, one is bosh, B-O-S-H. And the meaning of it is given as humiliation or shameful thing. And another word that is used is kalam, K-A-L-A-M which is defined as to insult, humiliate, or be ashamed. Other terms are used to describe shame in the Old Testament, as I mentioned before, but these are, are primarily uh, the two that we find. In the Greek, there is one word in particular that, that expresses shame, and that word is entropay. E-N-T-R-O-P-A-Y. And the meaning of it is shame, respect, or reverence. And so as we look at, at shame, that's how it's translated, that's how it's used. Uh, but as far as getting into the, the text of the Bible, uh, we see some different characteristics of this word. First of all, shame is most often viewed in a negative sense. Uh, it's most often viewed negatively, and rightfully so. As we look at what shame really is, shame is a consequence of sin. The first time that, that we find shame, uh, we see that Adam and Eve were shamed in the garden, as we read in Genesis 3 and, and verses 7 and 8, and it was directly because of their sin. Because they had sinned against God and because they knew it, they were ashamed to be in his presence. David gives a perspective from the Old Testament in Psalm 31. Psalm 31 and beginning with verse 17. He says, Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let, it, let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. And David presents this from, from two different standpoints. First of all, he says, do not let me be ashamed. For I have called upon you because he had sought God, because he was seeking him in prayer, basically, um, as he was expressing his feelings in this psalm. 
because of this, do not let me be ashamed. I am one of your children. Do not let me be ashamed. But on the other hand, he says, let the wicked be ashamed. It's not for the righteous to be ashamed. We have nothing to be ashamed of, really. But the wicked, on the other hand, should be ashamed. And that's what David is expressing. We see that nations were shamed with defeat because of their refusal to recognize the power of God. Even the nation of Israel fell into captivity because they, they once were, were proudly under the power of God. But they had turned away from Him. They started serving their own gods. They basically committed adultery against God. They broke their covenant with Him. And because of their lack of faithfulness, they were put to shame. One of the, the Psalms in particular, I can't remember which one it is right now. I'm wanting to say 171, but that may not be right. Uh, don't quote me on that. But there is one of the Psalms where it expresses uh, their songs, the songs of Zion. Uh, the people who have taken them captive want them to sing the songs of Zion. And it's expressed, how can we sing these songs while we're in captivity, while there is no joy? They were put to shame because they neglected to remain faithful to God. And so their shame was a consequence of their sin. And, and rightfully so, it was a, a part of their lives. The world to some degree, as we look at the world and how the world views Christianity, we see that, that the world views Christianity as shameful, especially atheism. I think it came out recently that uh, a study had been done that, that showed that, that atheism was the most prominent religion in America. Maybe that's so, I don't know. But uh, people like that. They want Christians to be ashamed. Uh, ashamed for, for using God as a crutch, for needing Him, and, and things like that, at least according to their view. I well, see this is nothing new. In Scripture, it expresses that there are people that would have us to be ashamed. They want us to be ashamed of the cross. There are those that are ashamed of the cross. Hebrews 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There were those that would have us to be ashamed of God's ways. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The things that seem foolish to the world, these He uses to, to basically turn around on them and and show their shame for not believing. And God's persecuted messengers, 2 Timothy 1, beginning with verse 8. Paul writes here, 2 Timothy 1, verse 8, 
Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul expressed that he was not ashamed to carry the gospel. He was not ashamed of its message. He was not ashamed of it in any way. As we look at the world, the world wants us to be ashamed. Satan wants us to be ashamed. Christians, however, are called to serve God unashamedly, despite what the world desires of us. They want us to renounce Christ. They want us to, to put this fable, this story, uh, away from us. But God would have us to stand and not be ashamed of Him. As I mentioned before, shame is most oftenly, often used as, as a negative thing, but shame can also be used positively if the shame of our sin turns us back to God. Look at David, for instance. Look at all the things that he went through, all the sins that he committed against God, some of the greatest sins that we could imagine. Adultery, murder, lying, and many others went along with all of that. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan comes to him, presents this parable to him. that shows him that he has done wrong against God, that he is the man. In Psalm 51, we believe this to be written after these events. In Psalm 51, in the first four verses, David expresses this. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge those who repent those who turn away from their sin God is not ashamed to call his children.
let's look at what the Bible says about shame. And we see uh, different instances throughout Scripture in, in regard to shame. Adam and Eve is a, a good beginning place. Uh, when we look at, at our sin, we have to go to the beginning. And, and it's very same in, in the Bible. It's good for us to go to the beginning. And, and in the story of Adam and Eve, we read beginning in verse 21 of chapter 2 of Genesis Genesis 2, and beginning with verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman." Because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And we usually stop there. These, are, are used, uh, these verses are used in relation to marriage and, and the blessing that God gave in marriage. And we don't often pay attention to verse 25. But verse 25 is also very important. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They had no reason to be. This is the way that God created them to be. And he left them in his perfect garden. All the animals, Adam was given uh, dominion over them to, to name them. And they lived in a perfect paradise. There was no reason for shame because God had not created them to be shamed. But what changed? Their shame was a result. It was a consequence of their sin against God. Let's read into Genesis 3 and beginning with verse 1. Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable, desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and, 
and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Of course, they blamed it on each other, basically. Adam blamed it on Eve. Eve blamed it on the serpent. As a matter of fact, Adam didn't only blame Eve, but he also blamed God for giving him woman. But when did their shame come? Remember in verse 25 of chapter 2, they had no reason to be ashamed. They were not ashamed until their eyes were opened because they sinned against God, because they ate of the tree of which God had told them not to. Their shame was negative in nature as it was a result of their sin. But had they not sinned against God, if we play that if game, what if they didn't? If they didn't, they they would have remained in God's perfect garden and, and there still would have been no reason for them to be ashamed. But they were ashamed because of their sin. And rightly so. The shame of sin. Again, shame is a direct result of, of sin. We understand that David was ashamed of his sin with Bathsheba and also of his sin against the life of Uriah. However, David's shame was made positive because he was willing to repent. Let's look at another individual, one that, that turned out very differently. Let's notice Judas Iscariot. Turn for a moment to Matthew 27, beginning with verse 3. Matthew 27 and verse 3. Here we read, Then Judas his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Judas recognized that he had sinned against God, against Jesus, the Son of God, by betraying him. And he, he tries to, to make somewhat of an amends. He tries to take back the money that, that was given to him for betraying Jesus. But they said to him, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. 
Judas was ashamed of his actions against Jesus. He was remorseful. And he did try to make amends. But you see, Judas, in the case of Judas, his shame remained negative because instead of repenting of his sin, instead of turning to God and asking for forgiveness, he took his own life, never expressing true repentance, at least not by the records that we have. So Judas is very different. And when we see that, that as far as the shame of sin, it can either be positive or negative in that regard, depending on what the sinner does with his shame. If he repents, if he turns to God and, and asks for forgiveness and seeks forgiveness, then he will be forgiven. For the one that never repents, it's still a, a negative thing because he's, his shame has not brought him to the point of repentance. Repentance is very important in, in regard to, to those who are in sin. The shame of the gospel. Shame for sin is expected because whenever we sin against God, we have reason to be ashamed. But shame of the gospel message should not be a part of the life of a Christian. In Hebrews chapter 12 and beginning with verse 1, we read this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And as we'll notice in a moment, whenever we, we have shame, it, it builds up until we do something with it. it. It becomes a burden to us. And so we're told to let, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus did not allow the shame placed on him to keep him from going to the cross on our behalf. And you know that there was a great deal of shame involved in his death, in his sufferings, in the crucifixion. Just that the cross in and of itself was a symbol of shame. To be hung on a cross was a very shameful thing for anyone who had been caught in any kind of sin, any kind of transgression, religiously or otherwise. But still, Jesus endured the cross. And despising the shame placed on him by even his own people, he set the standard for Christians who are shamed by the world. Let's look at Paul's view of this, this shame in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. As he had expressed elsewhere, 
In Romans 1 verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Neither should we be. Why should Christians be ashamed? The world tries to, to present us as, as shameful for believing in Christ, for believing in the word of God. But why should we be ashamed of the gospel? If we truly believe the gospel then we believe everything that Paul expresses that it is here. It is the power of God. It is His power to save the lost. It is His power over sin and death. It is the power provided to each of us as Christians through Christ to be saved. There is great power in the gospel message. Why should we be ashamed? Of the power of God. It's through the gospel message that salvation is provided to the alien sinner. It is for everyone who believes. In Acts 4 verses 11 and 12. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. Which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other Speaking of Christ, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is great power in the name of Jesus Christ. It is through Him that salvation comes to us. And why should we be ashamed of that? Why should we be ashamed of the power of God to salvation? For everyone who believes. The gospel is non-discriminatory. All who believe are given the opportunity to be saved. If they are willing to obey. I am not ashamed. Of the gospel of Christ. Are you? Living unashamedly for Christ. Brings shame on the ungodly instead. In Titus chapter 2, and verses 6 through 8, Titus 2, beginning with verse 6, likewise exhort the young men to be sober minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. We are to live our lives righteously. And when we do so, we bring shame upon the ungodly. And though we do not live a godly life for this purpose, simply to bring shame on people, it helps us to show them their errors 
in hopes that they too will one day understand and believe. Shame in anyone's life becomes a burden. If we are ashamed once, we'll be ashamed again and again. And God's desire is not that we remain burdened by our sin and by our shame. As long as we continue to live a sinful life, as long as we continue to live in sin instead of living in Christ, it is a burden to us. But God's desire is that we put that burden away from us. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, a very familiar passage to us. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's desire for all who choose to serve Him is that we turn our shame into repentance, obedience, and the faithful life. Notice that in this passage, Jesus doesn't tell us that all burdens are removed. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Not the yoke of sin and, and the burden that, that is associated with that. But take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We still have a yoke. We still have a burden to bear as Christians. And it's not always easy. But the difference is that whenever we are serving sin, we are bearing that burden ourselves. But when we take up the cross of Christ, when we take upon ourselves His yoke and His burden, he helps us to bear that burden. We do not bear it alone. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? If not, then we'd be glad to help you in that need. But maybe it is that you've not remained faithful. Maybe it is that, that even in becoming a Christian, maybe you have been ashamed. Maybe not intentionally. But maybe it is something that you need to, to make right in your life. If you're in need of, of rededicating your life, repurposing your life for Christ, Maybe you need prayers on your behalf or to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done. If there is some way that we can help you, the Lord's invitation is open to you. 
And we pray that you would come. Let's together we stand and as we sing.